I'm drinking soda water out of a jar again. Oh, lucky you. I just got plain water. Ugh. Ew. Whiskey, Ugh. whiskey. Ugh. The singer's getting sore. We raised the roof. Now we're lower in the floor. The band is blistered, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, Welcome to the Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that tends to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock. I'm the author of The Whiskey Cabinet, and my co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. You can also find our podcast on the website whiskey.buzz. If you want another song. On and on goes the ring of the bell. Off we go this Yeah, and start around that. Yeah, totally. Oh, we yeah. hear some whiskey being poured. We hear some whiskey. That's exciting. <laughs> well, Davin, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for thanks for coming back on. I'm glad. I think the last time you were on was pretty early on when we started podcasting. And what is this episode like? Forty something now. So forty four. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, hopefully we'll be a little more polished than we were last time. <laughs> Jamie, we had fun the last time. I know, time. it was so fun. I know, it was, it's always fun. It was quite fun. a long time ago, and I'm sorry, it it's just bit taken me so long to be able to get back on here, but at least we got to meet in person. I know, it was and, great. You know, a couple of times, I guess. And... I know, it was so much fun, and you're off to Victoria for their um, whiskey festival this week, so, and uh, in here up in Canada, it's considered the the premier whiskey event yeah, it's by f- far. By far, yeah. It's the best. It's, well, I was just looking yesterday. They have 30 A-list brand ambassadors doing uh, master classes. I mean, you get Ashoks coming from India to, to, to talk about to talk about Amrit, you know? Wow. It's, it's craziness. They, like, they've got so many just fabulous people coming down to... Uh, to talk about their whiskeys at the show. I think people like Victoria because, you know, it's it's quite low-key. And, I mean, it, it runs, you know, just with German precision, but it's about as stressful as a Caribbean beach. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, really, it's really something. And, of course, you know, it, because it's held right downtown in the heart of the city, you've got lots of restaurants and many other events going on and a lot of whiskey events going around going on in the bars and things like that so it, it really it's in a different class altogether it's one of the it's one of the best uh, whiskey shows that i've been to anywhere i mean think about you know whiskey live tokyo good show but it's out in the boonies mm-hmm. you know you've got to take a train to get there and uh, you know lots of lots of whiskey but there's you know hundreds and hundreds of whiskeys on pour in uh, at um, at uh, the Victoria Whiskey Festival, you know, you think about uh, about Whiskey Life Paris. Yeah, that's a great, really great show too. Again, though, you know, crowded and mm-hmm. you know, carrying on. And Victoria has everything. They've got lots of amenities. You know, outside of the festival, they got fabulous food, and it's the foods there when you walk in, and it's it's still there at the end of the night. They it's fabulous. Two buffets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and it's just, there's just so much to do in Victoria. So I think that's one of the reasons why they they get so many of the top uh, brands sending in their best people to uh, to um, you know talk at the festival and present their whiskeys and so on. And you, I mean, you get and the other thing, of course, is being in BC, you get a lot of great brands that in Ontario you just can't get them. You know, they have to 
In Ontario, when you put on a whiskey show, you have to buy the whiskey from the LCBO. Right. And guess what? The LCBO doesn't have a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. so, so it's, it's pretty cool. Like, like, like um, Drew Mayville is coming up from uh, from Buffalo Trace. Oh, it'll wow. Be, it'll Yay. be the only time. It'll be his only appearance in Canada this year. I'm sure it'll be Ashok's only appearance in Canada this year. Um, you know, Ian Logan's coming in, Glenn Livett. You know, people like that. So it's really, you know... I, I really love it. Yeah, it's a great show. We have we we. It's not the only good show in Canada, though, obviously. But uh, no, yeah, yeah. It's, but it's it kind is of, sort of. Uh, it sets the bar very high. Yeah, and, and we get a lot of American audience in uh, our, our better whiskey shows. It seems like uh, I definitely saw that in New Brunswick. I see that from uh, Spirit of Toronto uh, event. Like there, there's definitely a lot of Americans that come up to the uh, Canadian events. Yeah. Well, that show in New Brunswick is a pretty good show. I mean, they've got a very cooperative um, uh, liquor board. And yes, so they, they do. They've got, yeah. a, they've got a few hundred whiskeys on pour there. Uh, so, yeah, people people come there, and, and yeah, you know, they, get good, they get good value for money. I mean, that's not a very expensive show to get into either. You know, and, and they, I mean, they put on a whole, what, what, four or five days of whiskey events. So that show in New Brunswick is well worth going to. Uh, yeah, we, I, we talked in the, the last episode about sort of whiskey shows and, and Mark sends out, um, we kind of made fun of him a little bit because he sends out a very specific long email about strategy. Um, Davin, what is your strategy when you go to a whiskey festival? Do you have well, any specific tips? Well, uh, I, I don't know if I'm a good person to ask that question to because I love to taste whiskey that I haven't tasted before. Mm-hmm. Um so I generally try to, to go to the whiskeys that I have not tasted before. I always ask them to give me a short pour. I don't want a whole lot of whiskey. I want two sips, and then I'm going to pour it out. Mm. You know, that's it. And, uh, you know, it's it's a trick I learned long ago, you know. You take two sips and you walk away from a drink, even in a bar. Otherwise, you know, when you're a whiskey writer, otherwise you're going to get drunk. Right. And then you can't really appreciate the whiskey, you know. So I always go for stuff I haven't had before. I, quite honestly, I have more fun talking to people than I do drinking whiskey. Mm-hmm. So I bet you at a whiskey show, I might have a dozen different whiskeys across the whole evening. And the rest of the time, I'm just yapping with people, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, well, you meet yeah. people there who you don't see the rest of the year. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's really uh, to me whiskey is more about the social aspect than about the latest flavor. The other thing is I don't go for the most esoteric uh, uh, dram. You know, I, I you know I, I I want things that that I haven't tasted before, but I'm not going to stand in a great long line waiting for some mm-hmm. special dram that. Everyone's talking about on the on the web. Uh, it's I don't know. My strategy is don't get drunk mm-hmm. and meet a lot of people. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. That's great. And find out where the after party is. <laughs> well, the after party is a different matter. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's generally I. <laughs> you know. <laughs> generally, there's whiskey there that you can't get at the show, and. Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> a little less a little less on, <laughs> but still very social. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I prefer the social. You know, 
I, I really do you guys have strategies when you go to shows yeah i've always i've always said the uh, the number one tip i always give people is is don't don't do the whole like if you're into drinking uh like you said whiskeys that you can't normally get don't be polite at the booth and be like okay i'll start with a 10 year old and the 12 and the 15 just be like go go for what you want because it's going to be gone the next time you're at that booth yeah th- th- i agree with that yeah like at, at in toronto at whiskey live that lafroy 30 year old you know I had to try it, and I drank the whole thing. I admit that. Because <laughs> right. uh, of for course, most of the others, uh, no, I just take two sips and then I go to the next table, pour my, empty my glass if there's any left, empty it into the drink, the dump bucket, and then take what they've got. So yeah, it's, um, it's really um, quite, uh, you know, low key. Um, do you uh, do you frequently wash out your glass, like between pours? What's your strategy there? Pardon me. Do you do you wash out your glass between pours, um, like frequently? Uh, yeah, it depends. Uh, it, if I'm drinking a peated whiskey and I don't drink a whole lot of peated whiskeys, I will wash it out with water and shake it. What I do generally is I grab my glass between my two fingers upside down and shake it till all the drops come out. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not writing reviews to the show. I'm just tasting the whiskey. So if there's a little bit of carryover from the previous whiskey, you know, it's not a big deal. If it's a very special dram, I'll I'll rinse the glass out. The best thing to wash the glass out with is the whiskey you're going to drink. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it mm-hmm. really it, it really is. Yeah, that's actually a good tip. I um I I do that uh, as well. I um I think I learned this from from wine events. But you just you just carry the glass even just upside down. So you just let you know wash it out and carry it upside down. So it just naturally. Um, you know, it dries out a little bit at between uh, between stations. Uh, that's a good, excellent tip. Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah I yeah, that's, that's the best thing for me. I guess my my tips are just to follow Mark Bylock's uh, email um, <laughs> strategies because he's got most. He's done the research and he's he planned it out. So uh, you know, just to sort of go along with uh, whatever your whoever knows what they're doing, just follow them around and you can figure it out. I haven't. I've I've only been to a, f- a handful of whiskey shows, so I'm still just sort of figuring out uh, what my specific strategy is. Uh, but I did manage to lose my entire group for a couple minutes. Um, at Spirit of Toronto. So I guess that's a good thing too, is don't be afraid to venture out on your own away from your group and uh, go meet some new friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we had a whole message group. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, we're like, there's like six or seven of us in this group. We're like, okay, here, here, this is where the next whiskey's being poured. And then we'd have tips back and forth. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Which isn't always necessary, but in, in big whiskey events and Spirit of Toronto's, you know, has multiple floors and multiple sections, you're, you're not going to be like, you know, you're not going to see everything. Yeah. Actually, that was really good to keep everyone connected via a group message, like an iMessage or like a Facebook group. Um, you know, we had people sort of uh, like pinging you from upstairs saying like, oh, they just opened this cool bottle up here. Like whoever's around, come on over. So, you know, I think it's just it's just such a fun time. And there's so much opportunity to have, um, you know, to have some great pours um, just to like sort of enjoy and follow Mark Bylock's email, but but don't like don't feel like completely obligated to do that either because 
a little <laughs> bit of flexibility is always good. <laughs> well, to be fair, I'm, I'm, I'm just not by, that I'm structured just, I'm just making fun there. of you, Mark. I I'm know. just making fun of your email because it was really hilarious. Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> I know, but I, I really don't. I don't, I don't. I'm not very structured once I get there. Right there and I, once I'm in the whiskey shop, I feel like I'm just running around like, okay, boom, it devolves boom, into boom. chaos. It devolves into chaos despite all my preparation. Um, so, Devin, you must have been—you must be super, super busy right now. I mean, Canadian whiskey's now really got a big spotlight. Um, not that you're not always busy, but like this is must have been—you must be getting a lot of questions regularly about Canadian whiskey now. Yeah, it's—it's um, it's really, really—it's uh, been crazy uh, with the last couple of months. I've—I've I've done so many interviews with so many people. I mean, I've even had people calling me. From a Chinese news network wanting to find out about Canadian whiskey, I did a I did an interview for a, a Japanese newspaper that's printed in Canada, but it's a Japanese newspaper. But yes, all the all of the networks have been calling, and we've been talking. It's really quite exciting what's happening with Canadian whiskey because the, our profile has been raised so significantly by a, a Northern Harvest Rye, you know, and I'm really glad that uh, it's a whiskey that I can really get behind and really endorse because it, it is a very good whiskey to start with and it's typical of the Canadian whiskey style. You know, so it's, uh, yeah, I've been very busy right now. I have to tell you, I'm really busy right now because the Canadian Whiskey Awards are on Thursday. And uh, mm-hmm. so, and I'm organizing that. I'm the, I'm the master of ceremony. So it's, it's, it is, uh, I got people always coming at me all the time. I just, I just, see yeah, I just had a, a phone call now and uh, I'll call them back in an hour or so and talk about that. So it's just, uh, it's, uh, it's a very busy time of year for me but it's also you know because of uh, of northern harvest rye it's been uh, you know much busier than i would have expected with with so much interest in canadian whiskey and uh, it's really carrying over to all of the brands you know the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the uh, um the corby brands are doing really quite well mm-hmm. uh, uh 40 creeks doing quite well and uh, canadian club people are in are, are have had uh, Canadian whiskey brought to their attention and now they're interested their question always they ask three questions and they say well what else is there in Canada mm-hmm. yeah. so this is really really opening doors even more than I expected it would so so yeah Canadian whiskey is pretty hot right now that's great it's, and uh, you you see this trend sort of you know continuing you you sort of can imagine uh, that this will just keep uh, going throughout the year like that could be very you know it could be a whole new trend. Um, it's very exciting. Well, well I, I think, uh, you know, the time was right because Canadian whiskey, sales of Canadian whiskey have been growing steadily for the past three or four years, you know. And, and you know, we've had a guy like, like Dave Broom uh, talking about Canadian whiskey for the last uh, four years, five years, a lot. You know, he's the most respected whiskey writer in the world. He's probably got the the uh, most listened to voice in the whiskey crowd uh, in the world, and he's making Canadian whiskey. He has made Canadian whiskey really quite respectable to to the connoisseur, and now the the general public are having their attention drawn to it, and they know they're going online and they're seeing oh, lots of people saying nice things about Canadian whiskey. Uh, I think Canadian whiskey is going going to have uh, you know significant popularity for for some time but I think we have to remember that even before this happened 
we were selling 250 million bottles a year. It's just that it's been kind of flying under people's radar, but it's always been out there. And so now, you know, people are getting more interested in the high-end stuff. But once again, you know, I hear people saying, well, Canadian whiskey is getting so much better, and that's, that's not the case at all. Mm -hmm. It's just that people who didn't pay attention to it before are suddenly tasting some of these great whiskeys, and because they've never tasted it before, they assume it didn't exist before. Right. But I was talking to... Uh, to um, um, Adam McDowell at the uh, at National Post, and it was saying, you know, like if you look at the whiskeys from the 1950s, like Canadian Masterpiece, or you look at some of the old 40s and 50s Crown Royals, you look at uh, Gooderman and Wart's Centennial. These whiskeys are every bit as good as the as the top Canadian whiskeys that we have out now. Uh, so it's not that Canadian whiskey is getting better, it's that people are finding out about it. And now with all this uh, this uh, publicity for Northern Harvest Rye, people are going to try that one first, and thank goodness it's a good one, because mm -hmm. they're going to try that, they're going to have a good experience, and then they're going to start saying, well, why, gee, I wonder what else there is out there. So your question, Jamie, was, is this going to continue? Mm -hmm. Well, I think it is going to continue. I, th I think there's a trend to try whiskies other than scotch and you know and, and and that's really a very refreshing trend quite quite honestly and we we know how great the bourbons are and bourbon didn't last a year mm -hmm. bourbon's been on a 10-year jag now you know and it's going to keep getting bigger and, and and more popular as more people taste the good stuff so i think that the yes i think that that canadian whiskey will take its rightful place at the connoisseur's table or in the connoisseur's uh, whiskey cabinet. Yeah. Just, just as, as Irish whiskey is beginning to, mm -hmm. just as bourbon already has, and as, you know, like Japanese whiskey and, and you know, some, the, the Indian and, and, and um, Taiwanese, you know, Cavalan and, and Amrit, they're, you know, they, they're accepted now. So I think that what's happening is people are realizing that whiskey is not all about single malts. There are lots of other great, uh, whiskey countries, and there are all lots of other great uh, whiskey styles out there. So Canada is definitely benefiting, and we've we're we're part of it now. Yeah, I, I you know we always mention sales when talking about Canadian whiskey, but I mean you know the reality I think is a lot of the Canadian whiskey that's sold around the world is usually kind of bar whiskey, mixing whiskey, um, but it's really that that uh, you know upper the the better whiskeys, the the higher quality whiskeys that are really going to shine now, right? With with more attention. That's what really happened with bourbon with. Uh, you had bourbon was always selling well, but it was the premium market that started to grow a, a great deal. And I'm I'm very excited to have more. And there's already been a lot of great products from Canadian whiskey uh, industry, but I'm looking forward to seeing more and more kind of the premium, uh, you know, forty, fifty, sixty dollar whiskeys come out, mm -hmm. um, and, and also higher proof. I'm hoping to that it, it follows the trends of of uh, of Kentucky, and we'll see more higher proof whiskeys that. Go to like 40, 45, 48, 50% uh, alcohol. Yeah, well, I, I agree with you on that. I think, though, it's, it's really hard for us to form an opinion when we live in Ontario because we don't get to see the full range of any kind of whiskey. Because I think if we stop and think about it, <clears throat> most scotch is intended for mixing as well. Mm -hmm. Most, most scotch yeah. is mixing whiskey. I mean, when I was in, in Texas in, in this uh, past July, 
it amazed me. I think I wrote down the names of something like 40 different kinds of scotch that were cheaper than the bottom shelf Canadian whiskey. Wow. And, you know, wow. it's just like it, it was a lot of brands I'd never heard of before. So, you know, it's just that, you know, we just we get such little variety mm-hmm. here in in um, in Ontario. And obviously people want to bring in the whiskey they're going to make the most money on. So we don't really get to see the full range. It's it, we, it's hard to make a comment about Scotch or Irish whiskey or or even bourbon mm-hmm. based on what we can buy here in Ontario. Is uh, yeah, I, I, I think so. And I actually had a question that popped into my head when you were talking, Davin. And I'm curious, actually, to hear both of your answers in terms of Canadian whiskey. Is there one that you guys are most excited about, or or sort of want people to discover a little bit um, more this year? Is there something that you guys are sort of chomping at the bit that you know you'd like to see a little bit more about online or or in people's cabinets? Yeah, I think the whiskey I'm most excited about right now, and it's going to change tomorrow. Of course, but is Gooderum and Warts. This that's is such a fabulous blend. My God, that's mm-hmm. just such good whiskey. That that Gooderum and Warts. Unfortunately, it's only available in Canada. But if they can get that into the states, it's going to go mm-hmm. crazy because it's beautiful, beautiful whiskey. It is really, really beautiful. And and, and Wiser's Hop is another thing I really, really enjoyed. I really love that whiskey laced with chocolate and things like that it's a it's a beauty so. yeah i i mean we, we've been we've talked about bitterham warts probably several times on the podcast i've been raving about it a great deal yeah, i um a, I, I like it because it's um i find you know like some some people find canadian whiskey a little abrasive with uh like like with any whiskey like bourbon was you know scotch drinkers found bourbon abrasive it's it's a bit of an acquired taste i think whiskey in general is an acquired taste uh, peated scotch is an acquired taste. So um, Canadian whiskey does have a little bit of a flavor that's a little, uh, some people find a little too abrasive. And I think Gooderham and Worth seems to like find a nice, nice balance there. It's a little lighter in that, in the sweetness than Lot 40 or um, or a lot of Crown Royal products, but it has it has a, that beautiful complexity. And I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm very excited. That, that product has come to the U.S. So it'll, it'll be there summertime or fall. Uh, it's come to the U.S. and I think it's going to do really, really well. I would agree with all of that. I love that whiskey. I think it's phenomenal and I don't know why I don't have a bottle of it at home yet. Oh, <laughs> well, because I keep drinking it. other people's. Oh, do you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't blame you, Jamie. I don't blame you in the slightest. <laughs> yeah, I, it's good whiskey. Yeah. Uh, we have, yeah. But yeah, no. I don't. I don't know if I'm a fan of the hopped, um, but I, that's that might be also one of those acquired taste things. Um, I um, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that hopped. As you said, Mark, all whiskey is an acquired taste, and I think that people can convince themselves that a certain style of whiskey is their preferred taste. They get used to it. They come to expect that that's what it's going to taste like in the glass. But I think that people do themselves a disservice when they do that because there are many, many different styles of whiskey, and it's about the flavor, you know? And as I uh, said, that that I um, really am a big single malt fan, Scotch single malt, have been for a long time, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy, genuinely enjoy, and at times prefer other whiskey styles. You know, I mean, it's hard to say no to a really great bourbon, 
you know. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with Canadian whiskeys. There are some fabulous Canadian whiskeys. And right now I'm drinking Writer's Tears. I just love the, the lanolin in that. And I love the, you know, the, those nutty barley notes. So I think that we shouldn't lock ourselves into one whiskey style. And I think that this is something that's happening now as people are realizing that there are many different um, many different kinds of whiskey to enjoy. Yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've uh, Jamie, I've talked about this before as well. Where um, sometimes it takes, you know, sometimes it takes a whiskey to be named uh, to give it high acclaim for uh, the general uh, populace to be like, oh, okay, this is what good whiskey tastes like, as opposed to having a product and being like, oh, you know, I mean, I think Scotch and every part of the industry's gone through this. Scotch probably went through this with uh, with blended Scotch. People weren't appreciating blended whiskeys as much, or they weren't uh, not fans of peated Scotch. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think that's every we have our preferences, but also, you know, it's important to kind of it's important to have these um, awards and have these accolades to 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 broaden that that or to create a more open mind about different whiskeys uh, from around the world. And, yeah, it doesn't seem like anybody's doing bad, right, like wrong right now. It's uh, I mean, single malt scotch, I guess blended scotch is probably the one that's suffering the most. But blended is uh, kind of going down. But, you know, single malt still is, is obviously still doing very well. Canadian whiskey's done great. All these other countries are are producing whiskey. It's generally just a good time for whiskey. Yeah, I think it is a good time for whiskey. And I think it's a good time to for people to expand their palates and try other kinds of whiskeys because uh, uh, there's so much out there, so much opportunity. And uh, I think we're learning more about how people enjoy whiskey. And uh, there's just, it's just such a big world. And not even whiskey. Come on, get in, try some rum, try some mezcal, you know, try some other uh, drinks because the, the real bottom line here is that alcohol does a wonderful job of delivering flavor to your tongue, mm-hmm. to your palate, to, 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 to your nose. And so, you know, why limit yourself even just to whiskey? Try, try some of these other things as well. It's, uh, it's about having a pleasurable experience. Yeah, and I think, and there's no, it's never sort of, it's it's funny, this this whole conversation reminds me um, uh, of this moment I had where I was pouring for the Balveni, um, doing the LCBO sampling, and I had the, the double wood um, and the Caribbean cask, and this man came up, and he must have been in his 80s, mm-hmm. and he had told me that he had been to Scotland, he'd been to all these distilleries, he'd been to all these fantastic pubs, and everywhere he went, he always tried and tried and tried to get into scotch, and he just couldn't, and he just could never find the one that he mm-hmm. uh, he really clicked with. And he came over and, and said, gave, told me that story, and I was like, okay, well, let's just let's try some more. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so he tried the Doublewood, and he said, I cannot believe it. I love this. I cannot believe after all this time coming into the LCBO, just, just like just doing my regular, you know, grabbing my bottle of wine or whatever. Mm-hmm. I found it. I found this. I love this whiskey. And I almost, you know, cried because I was so mm-hmm. happy for him. And Aww. yeah, he was the sweetest, the sweetest man. And he gave me like a big wave as he checked out with his whiskey. 
And I was like, well, I should just go home now because, well, I mean, I'm not going to beat that. Like, that's it. That's it for the week. Like, I just, you know, I, I, I couldn't be any happier right now than this man. And he's like, and I've been to, you know, pubs in the middle of nowhere with excellent whiskey lists. And, and I've been to Scotland and I've tried and I've tried. And I, I can't believe that I, I, I love this whiskey. I can't believe I found my whiskey. And I was just ready to lose my mind. So it's never too late either. And just keep trying, I guess, is one of those things where people all, you know, when you get to do something as fun as pour whiskey for a living and and hang out with people that drink whiskey, there's always going to be a couple people that come around. They're like, oh, well, I'm not, you know, I don't. uh, I tried. And as long as you can sort of say, well, maybe you just haven't found your whiskey yet, or maybe you just haven't, you know, just just to keep an open mind. And and, to, and it's we're lucky because we can actually help people get in there. And so we because we sort of know enough about whiskey, we can sort of like mm-hmm. we're lucky that we can help people find their whiskey because we kind of know the entry points. And so it's always such a pleasure. It's so awesome to see somebody click and say like, oh, oh, that's pleasant. Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, I thought it was going to burn. Or, oh, I, it's it's always <laughs> such a, like, it's a joy to watch. It's so much fun. So, yeah, yeah it's nice. Well, I agree with him. Uh, Balvini Caribbean Cast is a great whiskey. Love it. So he's right. He's right. <laughs> but, I, but I know what you're saying. It's when, when people find the whiskey, that, the whiskey that they really like, it is so pleasurable. Yeah. And they shouldn't, you know, deny themselves the opportunity to taste those whiskeys just because they're not scotch single malt, you know? Right. Exactly. Well, I know the North Harvest Rye is selling very well at bars uh, here in Toronto and at the LCBO. Uh, but also, I, I agree, we've been just getting a lot of great other interests in other whiskeys. Um, I, liked, I liked your pick, Devin. Uh, you picked uh, the, your pick for uh, Canadian whiskey was the uh, Crown Royal, uh, the tw- 75th Monarch Edition. I think that's a really, really great whiskey. I really enjoy that. Yeah, that's a spectacular whiskey. I think that's, that may well be the best Crown Royal to date. Ooh. It is just it, like it, the, the bread, the flavor in that is amazing. It is, I, I don't like to say the word smooth because generally that kind of means bland, but it is, it just feels so good in your mouth. It c- continues to develop in your mouth. You feel, you get so many different flavors. It's, the balance is beautiful on that whiskey. It's so complex, yet it's sewn together like it's just one thing. So when you taste it, there are all these flavors you can think of, but it's the flavor of Crown Royal. You know, excuse me, I really, I think it's a spectacular whiskey. I think it's one of the best whiskeys, Canadian whiskeys I've ever tasted, probably one of the best whiskeys I've ever tasted. It's really outstanding. So, yeah, I, I really love that whiskey. It's too bad it's discontinued, but there will be something else. Don't worry. They always have something, and the next <laughs> one will be even better. But uh, uh, it's it, it really it was a special whiskey that was brought out to celebrate that anniversary, and, man, they hit the ball out of the park with that one. I find uh, Canadian whiskey especially um, changes in the glass nicely over time. Um, I find that it's, you know, like it does really take – I mean, all whiskey – evolves and devolves in the glass kind of depending how much time you want to give it whether it's 10 minutes or you know five hours but 
Um, I find Canadian whiskey definitely, um, whenever somebody says to me, oh, they find Canadian whiskey too sweet, I go, you know what, let it, let it sit in the glass for five minutes. Just let it sit in the glass for five minutes, let, let it breathe a little bit, and then try it again. And I find their reactions usually like, oh, I, I, I get it, like the, that there's, there's something else. And then I mean, the other trick is to have them drink a few sips, but, uh, but I find that um, uh, Canadian whiskey does tend to change in the glass a fair bit. Yeah. Um, if they think Canadian whiskey sweet, they should try bourbon. <laughs> bourbon, there's so much caramel in that, man. You can, it's, it's hard to taste anything else. No. But yeah, some Canadian whiskeys really do evolve in the glass. The last three special releases from Forty Creek have all been like that. Mm-hmm. If you pour them in the glass, at first they're, they're just fine whiskeys. But if you leave them sit for half an hour, man, they really, really become spectacular and what what i've been doing is i pour two glasses at the same time and the first one is fine i just sip it enjoy it the second one is so much better than the first one that's especially true with the, with the 40 creek whiskeys i really i don't i asked him how he did that and he uh, <laughs> kind of evaded my question <laughs> i was just going to ask about davin uh, about 40 creek in general because uh with its uh you know, Campari sort of being uh, on the scene now. Um, uh, do you have any sort of, uh, what is your sort of antenna say about this? Um, and, and do you have any feelings about what we might expect from Forty Creek this next little while? Well, we can expect another special release this year. Yep. I know that they... Uh, have been working on the special release already, and they've, I think they've made their mind up what it will be. Uh, I hear that it is really something special, but uh, I haven't been able to taste it, and it may well not be ready yet. Uh-huh. I think we can expect Forty Creek to grow significantly over the next few years because they've got a big company behind them. I think that um, John Hall made a good decision when he said, you know, my, I've taken my whiskey as far as I can, mm-hmm. and if it's going to become a global brand, it needs to have a global company. So he sold the, the brand. I know he did that with some reluctance, but he did. He sold it. I think that, uh, you know, they'll carry Forty Creek forward to more markets. They've already hired more sales staff. I think I think it's doing very well. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember, you know, when they bought Wild Turkey, Wild Turkey was kind of a, a uh, it was stumbling. It was probably right. even a failing brand, and they really managed to get that one back on its feet. And, and I think now they're starting with Forty Creek, which already was a very uh, profitable brand, and it was doing very well, growing, continuing to grow. I think with the, with the marketing power that you have at Campari, um, we can only expect to see good things for them. The thing that, that I really am glad about is that the, the most recent releases of the old brands are still as good as ever because mm-hmm. the, there's always the fear of you know some right. compromise or something like that when a great big firm takes over how can we you know cut a little bit of cost here but they don't seem to have done that at all the new whiskeys there seem to be every bit as good as the old ones so um, i think that we could be very hopeful about 40 creek it'll maintain its position in canada obviously but i think that now we're going to see more uh, 40 creek in uh, export markets so I mean, it's already huge in in Texas. You know, yeah. And, and it's already huge in Amer- in America. 
So it's a it's a big uh, it's a big brand, and I, I think that we can only expect better things from it. Yeah, I mean, the Campari really does know that formula very well. It's, it is very similar to Wild Turkey where, you know, they, they have John Hall, that's the face of the company, and that's the, that personality behind the company, and then they manage the other aspects of it, uh, of, of running a whiskey business that John Hall necessarily, or maybe, you know, the Russell family doesn't necessarily want to be involved in as much. I mean, I'm making some assumptions here. I don't know if that for sure, but it does sound like, John, you know, uh, John Hall was, you know, it, it was a lot to be both a whiskey maker and the face of the company and worry about the financials and marketing and everything else. It does allow for some more focused attention. Yeah. Well, John Hall is still the chairman of the board. He still makes uh, decisions for the company. He still does the special releases. It's still his whiskey. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, uh, he, I know, has uh, successfully uh, countered some of the very early uh, decisions that were made by Campari before they really got their feet on the ground. I think they they very, they still very much look to John Hall, and I think the fact that the whiskey has maintained its quality uh, speaks very highly of Campari and what they're doing with it. Now, yes, John Hall has has always been the face of Forty Creek, but I think that the whiskey has become so much bigger than John Hall now. I think the whiskey really speaks for itself. Uh, now, I think if you remember when Copper Pot was launched, that was not that was launched as a Forty Creek whiskey, not as a John Hall whiskey. And I think that the success of Copper Pot, obviously he, he, he made Copper Pot, and, and, and it's a spectacular whiskey, there's no question about that. I think that the fact that he is retaining... Uh, He's maintaining his profile with the special releases speaks well to the respect they have for him as the whiskey maker and his importance as the as the um, spokesperson for the brand. But I think at the same time, the brand is ready to, to, to stand on its own legs, to speak. The whiskey is ready to speak for itself. It's doing so. It's doing so successfully. And it's uh, it's expanding its territories. So um, I think it's a it's a normal and natural transition, if somewhat um, disquieting to those of us who have always thought of John Hall and Forty Creek as being one and the same. But the the, the this whiskey speaks for itself. It's continuing to 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 be fantastic whiskey so you know let's see where it goes from here and frankly i mean come on that guy's worked hard for a long long time oh, yeah. and he uh you know he's got a family and uh, mm-hmm. he's certainly earned uh, a little bit That's of little. a respite from mm-hmm. from being out in the road every day trying to sell whiskey I think you know. I think the I think the one thing we we don't often talk about is how much the uh, the the those the cheaper whiskeys uh, from a brand give it the freedom to make more specialty bottlings, right? So while Turkey probably makes most of its money on eighty one or one hundred one, uh, but because those whiskeys sell so well, because with Campari and the distribution, they're they're able to distribute so much of that whiskey, uh, excellent whiskey that sells very well. They're able to do more. 
on the upper end where you know for a smaller company that may not be as as uh as viable of a choice uh forty creek's interesting because they've always done specialty bottlings well always they're a young company but they've they've done this you know annual releases they've done the you know they've always had the the specialty forty creek bottle uh, uh bottlings with the john hall name on it mm-hmm. um you know I, I'm just looking forward to see what they do with that, with you know, ad distribution and 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 financial resources. I think it's uh, it's just going to go uh, get better from here. Yeah, I agree. How and exciting! I think you, you hit another key point there, Mark. The uh, you know you talk about how the the entry level whiskeys kind of carry the brand. How the entry level whiskeys allow them to really experiment at the high end. Nobody says that better than Tish Harkis from Canadian Club. Mm-hmm. Tish will tell you. She'll pour you a glass of Canadian Club Premium and she'll say, this is the whiskey that turns on the lights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the whiskey that, that pays for everything else they do. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, and it's really, really true. Now, they've got some other whiskeys that are, you know, really well, really doing well. You know, like 100% rye, Canadian mm-hmm. Club, 100% rye, fantastic whiskey. Canadian Club, uh, uh, they're, they're uh, classic, they're 12-year-old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah. good whiskey. Really the 20-year-old good. is good whiskey too. So, But... But you're right. If they didn't have that entry-level whiskey that just sells case after case after truckload after trainload, the other ones, you know, would would suffer as well. Because you know, you know, Canadian Club Premium pays the bills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, in the case of Forty Creek, and one of the reasons why it's got a big key to success is I've uh, I've uh, blind tasted that Copper Pot Reserve against um, against you know. Uh, higher end scotches, single malt scotches, and um, and bourbons, and it does very well. Mm-hmm. People love that whiskey. Uh, it, it's it's one of those things that I think you know the, when you remove the brands and oh, it's from Canada kind of imaging. It it does very well in the blind tasting, and it's a very just pleasant whiskey to drink. Yeah, yeah. blind tastings. You know, a, a good rule of thumb is don't believe what somebody tells you about a whiskey if they if they knew what it was when they were tasting it Mm -hmm. and a really good a really good example is northern harvest rye when that was uh, announced as world whiskey uh, a whiskey of the year you know the internet went nuts with people saying this is mediocre whiskey this is average run-of-the-mill well i (laughs) i run the canadian whiskey awards we had 10 judges taste whiskey's blind and i can tell you even the ones who were raving ranting about northern harvest rye not being so great in a blind tasting they loved it <laughs> i can tell you that they loved it so you know I, when people especially the bloggers when they say you know this is average whiskey you know, i don't like this about any whiskey i think well you know if you knew what it was when you were tasting it how can you form an opinion because the label really 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 mm-hmm. influences people's opinion of whiskey and, and you're talking about how well copper pot does in a blind tasting yes you're mm-hmm. absolutely right it does very well in blind tastings but I think, you know, I think you make a really good point, And I think that it sort of ties back into what we were saying sort of at the beginning that um, Canadian whiskey has suffered a little bit. And now with this um, profile raising that the hope is that when people do walk into a liquor store, that the label um, maybe will look uh, sort of a little better to them than it did, you know, at this point last year. Um, so that, 
you know, Canadian whiskey can continue to grow and continue to sort of be as great as, as whiskey people know it can be. Um, because the reality is, is it, it, it's great that it, it does, you know, really well in blind tastings, but in order for us to keep getting, you know, the good stuff coming out, people have to buy it and people that maybe don't know whiskey that well also have to sort of reach for it. So it's, it's really exciting thinking about what the opportunities are for Canadian whiskey right now, um, just based on the last sort of five, five months alone. Like it's, uh. I'm excited about about what's going to happen and, and to see the new <laughs> stuff that's going to come out um, from Canada. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah. And you know what was really cool? I heard about uh, Northern Harvest Rye, uh, and the first phone call I got was from another whiskey company, a big Canadian whiskey company, mm-hmm. saying, have you heard about Crown Royal yet? This is fantastic news do you know what this is going to do for the category and the, and since then i've heard from 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 one of the other major brands saying like this is really really great right. stuff you know nice. and so it, what's really neat is people are recognizing yes their competitor has been recognized as producing a superior whiskey but the whole category is benefiting from this mm-hmm. and what's really neat is that when people taste these whiskeys they're going to like them and and like i said before yeah they, they, when i get these calls out the third or fourth question is always well what else is there out there mm-hmm. and, uh, and and you know the list can be as long as you want it to be that's right so yeah you're right this is a this is a, a good time to yeah. to be uh, tasting canadian whiskey yeah well the, the best part is unlike when with uh japan japanese whiskey the demand increased so much they started removing age statements and all this and that or, or keeping age statements in japan sp- specifically canadian whiskey generally doesn't have age statements already we're, we're already ahead of the ball here we're like <laughs> we're ahead of the game we uh we're, there's not gonna be any sort of complaints um I, I, actually, Jamie, I don't know if, uh, if I share this, but the there's one th- one uh, one little thing coming up right now is that Crown Royal. The it seems to have sold out entirely in Ontario, um, so now product is coming in from the U.S. to help uh, supply the Ontario. So now you'll have uh, Crown Royal product that says you know that has the export label on the back, the export lettering <laughs> on the back. So now, and, and I'm, of course, I'm I'm totally like you know. Davin's like, oh, bloggers, this bloggers. I'm, t- I'm totally jumping on this. I'm like, now I want to buy a bottle of Crown Royal Rye that's right. been exported or from export. the U.S. Yeah. Um, and, uh, <laughs> well, uh, it's too bad these guys didn't know in advance they were going to win, so they could have had enough whiskey available. I, I bet you they they lost so many sales just because they ran out. Yep. Oh, you know, totally. Totally. Yeah, it's, you know, and I'll bet you the guys at the plant were just going nuts. Oh, for sure. Dumping barrels yeah. and <laughs> getting r- more. But the thing is, they can't just dump it and put it in bottles. They have to blend it together. Yeah. They have to let it marry. It takes time to yeah. do that. They can't just turn it on, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's which a long process, which, which in turns I think fuels that sort of thing because you do have this scarcity where people know that whiskey, you know, it's not it's it's not infinite. There's not just like a you know it, it's not gonna always be there. Um, so that always sort of it bumps it up even almost a little bit more. It makes people a little more crazy to get their hands on some because they know that you know it, it, it's not gonna like be around. They're not maybe you won't be able to get a bottle next week. So it, it's kind of a neat little machine. <laughs> yeah, I never buy too much of anything, no matter how 
great, it seems, because I know there's going to be something else just as yeah. good come along. <laughs> exactly. you know, exactly. It's always, I, I learned my lesson long ago. <laughs> you don't have to buy cases and cases because somebody else is going to do something just as good before very long. See, that makes yeah, me absolutely. feel better. That makes me, because I don't have a giant whiskey collection. And sometimes when you go online, you see, it's, you see people's collections and you just sort of are like, oh my gosh, like I'm so far behind. I'm just going to have to redo my entire budget and live my life very differently if I want to have, you know, bottles upon bottles to to have in my collection. But actually, I, I really like that idea. I, have, I hadn't really, you know, thought of it. There's mm. there's always going to be something coming up next. And there's always going to be your friends, you know, Mark yeah. Bylock, that also have different bottles than you do and you can go try stuff. Yeah. So uh, there is this thing online that happens where people start posting pictures of these epic collections and you start to feel like, oh, Oh, is this the right way to do it? But you're right. You're totally right, well, Davin. I, I think that it, there, we are so programmed to get into a feeding frenzy over things like this. And the companies say, you know, it's tell you it's going to be in short supply or, the, or whatever. But, you know, I learned my lesson the hard way. I bought way too much whiskey mm-hmm. when I was, uh, you know, younger. Mm-hmm. And now I'm, I'm uh, giving away hundreds of bottles mm-hmm. seriously in in new brunswick we we poured part of my dallas stew collection mm-hmm. because i mean wow. those are r- extremely rare bottles mm-hmm. they're very valuable i live in canada so i can't sell them mm-hmm. and i wouldn't want to sell them anyway and so a lot of people got to benefit from those i mm-hmm. you know it's just that wow. you uh, you can buy too much whiskey. You don't need it. Mm-hmm. Taste, get, taste one dram and then wait and buy the next one. I don't think you should mm-hmm. in any way put a strain on your budget to buy whiskey because there's always going to be better stuff. I like that. I like that very yeah. much. Yep. I like it. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, um, I'll ask you a, a more technical question about Canadian whiskey. The, the common perception is that Canadian whiskey, the, one of the main differences between Canadian whiskey and, and American whiskey is that in Canada, uh, the grains generally get distilled, uh, fermented, distilled, and aged separately in barrels. Um, can you give us some other um, like generalizations as far as, or maybe specifics, like uh, between like Crown Royal and CC, how uh, their whiskey-making process will differ from uh, the U.S.? The fundamental difference is that in Canada, we mash each grain separately, we ferment it separately, we distill it separately, and we mature it in a barrel that is best suited to that particular type of grain. We do that with all the different grains, and then we blend them together as mature whiskey. So some mature quite young, some mature at a, you know, much older, and so on. And, uh, some, and you mentioned Canadian Club. Well, Canadian Club does blend their whiskey after it is spirit. They blend the spirit, so they do mature them together, but they but they uh, they still distill them in a way that's specific for each grain. In America, they mix the grains together, so they do their blending before they mash it. They mash the grains together, and they, they have what they call a mash bill, a recipe, and then they... They ferment them together, they distill them together, and they mature them all together. So that uh, they have, uh, you know, they, they don't optimize for the individual grains, they optimize for the blend of grains. 
but that's not to say they don't still blend their whiskies. A straight bourbon will still be a blend of whiskies from different parts of the warehouse, and those whiskies are taste very different from each other. It's just like single malts are blends of whiskies from different that are in different barrels or from different warehouses and so on. So uh, I think the fundamental difference is that we process each of the grains separately, whereas in uh, in the United States they process all the grains together. So they blend before they make the whiskey. We blend after we've made the whiskey. And that's how and that's how we get a variation because it's interesting how every industry has a different way of getting those various flavors from you know in. in uh, in Kentucky, it seems to be a lot, you know, barrel. Well, for many distilleries, for where the barrel is located in in the in the warehouse and um, and proof levels and that kind of thing. Canadian whiskey, it really is this. Um, the product is more consistent throughout, and then you've got the the blending is really where it happens, where where you get the various flavors, where the magic happens, where um, it's an interesting way. Like every industry, every country in general seems to have its own way of having unique products across a broad range. And it's, it's also interesting too, uh, when you look at it that way, um, when in, in Kentucky, when, you know, one product is very popular, let's say like Booker's or, or Stag, um, they, that's a seven, eight year, nine year, 10 year, uh, Stag Junior, I guess, uh, you know, that's a many year process where that barrel has to be aged in a very specific area so that it gets that flavor profile that you're looking for. Canadian whiskey is probably going to be able to respond better to demands in many respects because they, they have a very consistent aging process generally. And it's more the blending that, that you get the unique product. So they might, you know, they might make less of X product and more of Y product, but it's more about blending those products into different ratios. Yeah, blending is where uh, the Canadian whiskey makers excel, and you can blend um, each. You know, you can blend whiskies in in different ways to get the same final product. To get whiskey whiskies that taste the same. Uh, so yes, they ha they can draw on their resources differently. Now the the other thing we have to remember is there's a lot a lot of whiskey sitting in Canadian whiskey warehouses, so they do have good inventory from which to draw. If they need to make a a, a lot more of a whiskey suddenly, they're able to do that. I think the other thing about the way the Canadians make whiskey is that it's something that people never think about. But every year we have a different growing season. Every year we have different weather, we have different summers, and every year the grain tastes different. If you're doing a mash bill, which is always based on a certain percentage of corn, a certain percentage of rye, a certain percentage of barley or whatever, then the, you're going to have to do the very, you're going to have to take care of that variation afterwards in how you blend the, the finished products. In Canada, like 1998, I was told, was a year when the rye was incredibly spicy. So those blends that are now including whiskey from 1998, uh, well, maybe they are, some of them some of them will probably be, have some 1998 rye in it, just rye matures quickly. Um, they'll use a little bit less of that because they can get more flavor, more impact from that. So, so yes, blending, it, it means bringing things together. It's like a good baker, you know. A baker who bakes a cake at sea level would use a different recipe to get the identical mm -hmm. cake if he baked it on top of a mountain, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. things, as a blender, you really can put together, work towards a profile. And every year they recalibrate those blends to make sure that they, they do remain consistent from year to year. And every year, they'll, I mean, some years there'll be more 
variety in the in the barrels they draw from than other years, just based on what the whiskey tastes like each year. Thank you, Davin, for coming on again. It's been such a pleasure well, to have you back. Oh, it's always for, so great. Thanks for including me. Yeah, of thanks course. for including me again. I, I really enjoyed these other chats. Thank thanks, you. Davin. Davin.